welcome to episode 25 of the Rawdest Podcast. Of course, I am your host, the wonderful, amazing, thank you very much, Josh Lewis for rawdest.com. Uh, yeah, episode 25. I'm telling you, at some point, I'm going to have to take a break. <laughs> I don't know when, though. I don't know when to stop because I got so much shit to say. Uh, my guest this week is the fantastic Addy Desai from DoubleClutch.ca. Um, if you haven't heard of him, you will after this podcast. If you have heard of him, great. Enjoy the podcast. But first, I just want to get into, you know, get into our little rhythm that we do before the uh, uh, before the actual interview, right? So I actually did uh, Addy's uh, podcast uh, last week. Um, he had me on on Wednesday night, and then he and I recorded on Thursday morning for this podcast. Uh, we had a good chat, I thought. Uh, by the way, as always, feel free to email me, joshatrados.com. Call me an idiot, asshole. Tell me how much you respect me. Tell me how much you just think I'm the greatest thing that, uh, since sliced bread. You know, uh, whatever you want to say. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Johnny Lieberman from last week. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, when should I take a break? When should I basically cut this off as season one and then start a season two? Cause I feel like if I will do that, I would take at least, I don't know, about a month off, uh, kind of market the show a little bit more, a little bit better. And, uh, and then kind of come back strong with a, a wonderful second season. Um, although, you know how you always say stuff like that? That you're gonna, you know, you're gonna uh, regroup and sit down and get everything together and do all this and do all that, and you never do it. You just never really get to it. <laughs> uh, I do the same thing. I'm just, I'm lazy, right? I'm lazy. I'm a procrastinator. Uh, what can I say? Um, I have so many reviews to get to. I do. Uh, I had uh, the Hyundai Sonata Hybrid last week really like that car actually thought it was very very pleasant a $35,000 car a lot of great features I feel like uh, one of my favorite things is actually the wireless charger uh, where just where it sits it's out in the open Um, so it's it's nice to see a vehicle that uh, doesn't hide your phone away from you right Uh, that's a that's a great feature but again wireless charger but no wireless carplay or android auto that's a little bit of a bummer i don't i don't like that i don't i don't like where car companies are going with this technology thing they infuse everything with technology but they don't add kind of sometimes they just don't think too clearly or maybe it's the fact that you know wireless charging with wireless carplay would add too much uh um development i don't even know i, I don't know at this point uh, in fact, Addy and I get into that conversation. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so what's going on? How are you doing? What's going on in your world? I, uh, went and picked up my dad has a 1979 resto mod Trans Am, uh, really great car LS one engine. Um, of course, like pretty much every resto mod ever made, um, Sadly, it has a 4L60 four-speed automatic that just that robust old-school four-speed auto that General Motors had for 114 years, I feel like. Uh, But I I hate it. I I don't like the 4L60. I don't like automatics in general, obviously. 
but I don't like the 4L60. Um, I feel like it's it's just not good enough for that car. So I, I talked to uh, to my dad earlier today. Uh, again, I'm recording this Sunday night uh, because I always like to record at the last minute because I'm a procrastinator, number one. Number two, just in case anything happens on a Saturday or you know Sunday morning like I'm talking about now. Um, yeah. So my dad is actually looking at selling the car, uh, not because he doesn't like it, not because he needs the money, but because he feels as though he just has it, he doesn't use it. And he, he, I think I talked about this actually, uh, on the podcast at one point. Yes, it did. Actually, I, I did talk about it in episode. Oh, what episode was that episode? Uh, oh, episode 15, buying a future classic car. Actually, uh, I talked about this because my dad said he was going around a corner, um, he said he was, I think he said he was going about 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, nothing crazy, but still a decent bit of speed. So he's probably doing, you know, 60 and a 45 or uh, uh, 60 and a, well, 55 and a 45 or yeah, I don't know, something like that, whatever. Right. Um, so no, my dad, he said 10 miles an hour, he probably did mean 15 over, <laughs> but he said he was driving a Trans Am. He was on the back road and, uh, he turned, he came around this, this, blind corner and he said there's a truck just like in the middle of the road and he came to a screeching halt and he just realized that you know there are no safety features in this car no airbags um you know there barely has uh seat belt tensioners right uh, because it is slightly modernized uh but it does have seat belt tensioners and that's about it um and the brakes are good they could be better uh on this car and uh but he just said you know i think that that it's time to get rid of it. And that was a while ago. And, uh, it's just been kind of sitting around. We, my brother and I drive it every once in a while just to keep it moving. Um, and because during the pandemic, right, it's like you decide to sell something. And during a pandemic like this, everybody wants it for a million dollars off, right? Because they think, Oh, well, this person needs money or it's a fire sale or something like that. Um, which was part of my conversation, episode 15 about buying a future classic car. You know, because right now people, people need money, uh, understandably. And, uh, but my dad was like, you know, uh, uh. Um, so he wants to get rid of it. He's talking to a friend about who was interested in buying it. Right. Um, so I went and picked it up today. Uh, my, my parents have a storage unit or set of storage units where, you know, we keep cars and stuff like that. And, uh, so I picked it up today and I've got to clean it. I'm going to clean it in the morning, wash it and everything. And, uh, then I got to take it to my parents' house and, um, drop it off. And, uh, my dad is meeting his friend for dinner. So they're going to look over the car cause he's, uh, seems interested in it, but I was driving it and I thought, you know, it's one of the cool things about the 79 Trans Am is that it does have a, uh, an infotainment system in it. It has a, uh, you know, touchscreen head unit. Uh, with it, you know, it has a backup camera and it has also Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, which I think is really cool in a car like this. You know, I can plug my phone right into uh, the system, and bam, I've got I've got Apple CarPlay, and that's great because you know you get it. It has a decent sound system, and it's nice to drive down the road. And you just you have Bluetooth audio as well if you want to, if you'd prefer to use that. Um, and it's just nice to have some older cars with newer features. But this car is actually really fun. It's also uh, quite quick. Uh, I think it was, um, if I recall correctly, it was dynoed at the rear wheels at about 
460 horsepower. Um, something like that. Has 325 rear tires. So, I mean, the tires are huge. I mean, everything on the car is just these massive, massively wide rear tires. And uh, the, the wheels are custom made for it. Uh, beautiful car, wonderful car. But I was driving today and I was just thinking, man, this thing would be the tits with a six-speed manual, of course, because I love manuals. Uh, but I was talking to my dad and I said that, you know, one of the things I felt like the, the four-speed auto is just kind of, it's very clunky in that car. Shift points are harsh, um, just needs to be tuned better. But I was saying, I think the six-speed, if he's not going to go for a six-speed manual, I feel like a six-speed automatic from the Camaros uh, and the, the 2014 Corvette had a six-speed auto in it before they switched to the eight-speed in 2017. And even that would would be perfectly usable and, and a much better transmission in that car. So, yeah. So I, drive, I was driving that car today. I really, really like it. I wish uh, it's the car I would, my brother and I have talked about owning. We'd like to have it. Uh, but my dad's just, he won't sell it to us. And he won't specifically because he says that he wants us to be um, in a car. If we're going to, you know, potentially collect something. And I've talked about this before. I call it my fun vestment. If we're going to have a fun car that's potentially worth money later get something newer, more technologically advanced with airbags and, and more safety features. Right. Um, that, that one situation really spooked him recently. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, uh, drove that car today and I really, really like it, but my dad will not let me have it. (laughs) He won't let me, he won't let my brother and I buy it. Won't let us have it, but nothing, nothing. Um, but yeah, so I hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all wearing a mask and socially distancing um, because uh, or social distancing, not socially distancing uh, because, you know, look, the coronavirus is still a thing. Uh, we need to protect each other. Just remember the mask that you wear is not for the protection of you. It's for the protection of others. It means you have respect for other people's lives and you're doing it because you care about them. Uh, you're wearing it because if you are a carrier and don't know it, uh, then you're not just spitting shit into people's faces uh, without realizing it, right? Uh, that's all that it is. You know, as as my brother always told me, uh, I don't wear my seatbelt because of the way I drive. I wear it because of the way everybody else drives, you know? So it's it's things like that where we, we do things for common courtesy for ourselves, for ourselves and others. And this is one of those things, you know, wear a mask for others wear a seatbelt for yourself, you know, uh, be safe, be safe out there. Uh, children be safe. Uh, but yeah, even drive safely, drive safely as well. Uh, because you know, we're going through difficult times, be safe in general. Uh, without further ado, I would like to welcome Addie Desai to the podcast. So enjoy this interview and I will talk to you guys after that. During this pandemic, how are you doing and how are you holding up? I'm doing well, my friend. Uh, and you know what? We're fortunate that, uh, you know, we're, we're able to work. We're able to, to stay healthy, more importantly. My loved ones are, uh, are all in good health. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's more than we can ask for right now. I mean, I think Canada's doing pretty well. 
uh, you know, given everything that's going on. How about you? How, how are you doing? So I'm doing okay. Obviously, America is uh, as ebb and flo- ebbed and flowed, and now is uh, ebbing in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, we are we are under extreme issues in this country now. In my state of North Carolina, um, yep. we're you know obviously in a in an in a better position than some other states, but we've gotten a little bit worse. Um, we were better, but like my wife works for local government and right. you know, they're back to work and they're back to having people come in and they just ask you a couple simple questions of like, you know, have you been diagnosed, you know, have you been diagnosed lately with uh, COVID-19? Uh, have you been around somebody that's been diagnosed? Are you, have you been out of the state and they take their temperature yeah. and, uh, uh, but the problem is, you know, some people lie. Uh, well, most yep. people are going to lie and some people are even you know, complaining, I don't have to answer these questions <laughs> and they try and refer yep, exactly. these people to the U S constitution and which I'm like, wait a second. You yeah, this isn't the time to, you know, plead the fifth. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Where in the U S constitution does it say that you don't have to answer this? Qu- oh, wait, the fifth amendment. Of course you are, don't want to incriminate yeah. yourself. So get the hell out. You, you guys and your, you guys and your rights and freedoms and free country <laughs> and all that kind of crap. Damn freedom. um but yeah i mean other than that you know i've been okay i'm uh, we're in a position luckily with my wife and i and my family we're in a much better financial situation uh you know my wife still has her full-time job you know i'm still getting press cars i'm still able to review cars and do things and and that's you know why i i started the podcast uh, during this time because i thought well you know i don't know if i'm going to be getting any press cars Yep. And I know a ton of journalists who are not doing anything, so screw it. Let's just talk and have some fun. And yeah. now I was on your podcast last night. We're recording this on Thursday. This goes live Monday the 13th. Uh, don't forget tax day. Okay, so is ours, two days ours later. will go live on Tuesday. Oh, okay. okay. So it, it, it'll go live on the 14th, yeah. Okay. So, which is kind of cool. That's pretty cool, yeah. So we're basically you know within a day of one another. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So let me I, – I, I'm really curious – because you know mainly down here in america i feel like it's 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 not typical but you run into more car journalists you know there there's more of a it's a different story down here than it is up there of course i've heard the stories over the years that canadian automotive journalism is just you know a bunch of random dudes that don't really know a lot about cars that are like here buy this car this is a decent one you know but yeah and i've known a few canadian journalists over the years that were the complete opposite of that you know, that, yeah. that actually really knew what they were talking about. And you obviously do know what you're talking about. So clue me in as to how you got into this industry. What made it, you know, an attainable vision for you? Uh, because I, I feel like, you know, the Canadian way is not necessarily to jump into automotive journalism, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I guess before I go there, here's a question for you. What percentage of Auto, American automotive journalists, just pulling a number out of your ass, are would you say are actually passionate car people, whether they're enthusiasts or consumer advice types, or but like actually knowledgeable about the the product they're covering, as opposed to just doing it for the dollar or doing it for the press cars or whatever. Can you give me an approximate percentage? Uh, I would I would venture to guess, oh man, somewhere between five and ten percent. Um, yeah, I feel like, well, I mean, I guess the other problem is that 
because you know and and this is part of of why i wanted to ask you and you know kind of why i wanted to get into this question because it's perceived that canadian automotive journalism isn't you know the top of the hill however american automotive journalism doesn't necessarily stack up either you know there are a ton of guys yeah. that do this job just because it's a it can be a steady paycheck for a newspaper or for um you know an online publication yeah. um but i i will say i mean there are probably i mean i know of course we know plenty we know plenty of guys like matt farah johnny lieberman you know yeah. mike spinelli and and you know all those characters they love what they do right yeah. um but it's the little known guys and gals that are just out there and they can get a press car. I mean, I, I know of a, I don't know this person personally. And so I'm not going to, you know, blow up their spot. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but of course, of course. I do know of one journalist that was given a Porsche press car a number of years ago. And this person uh, destroyed the clutch within like three or four days. Porsche apologized because they thought, wow. oh my God, it's, it's our fault, right? Um, yeah. They sent her, they sent this person the exact same car, or a similar car with a manual a couple days later, right? That yeah. car, that transmission went out. That cl that clutch was was dead. So they realized yeah. that it was this person who said that they knew how to drive a manual who had yeah. just ruined two clutches on two brand new Porsches. And yep. that person didn't get Porsches anymore and also was blacklisted from getting manual cars for a while as far as I was told. And so it, it, it's a weird thing where it's a cool job on the surface, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can actually do it well. I mean, it's... Well, that's just it. I mean, in, in my eyes, you need to have a certain degree of driving skill, some performance driving experience. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean <clears throat> the performance driving experiences that, you know, we, we are fortunate to get on press events. Mm -hmm. I mean, showing up at an AMG GTR driving academy is not the place to get your to have your first track day and say, oh yeah, I learned a lot today. Yeah, you can learn a lot today, absolutely. But this shouldn't be the first. If you're a, if you're an automotive journalist, I mean, it's it's a strange job because there's no real qualification required. Mm -hmm. You just, especially now in the in in the web and YouTube day, anybody with a, an iPhone 11 Pro camera and an internet connection can create create content and i say that in quotation marks right and um due to that there's kind of it, i feel like there's been a little bit of dilution of what we oh you and i know as traditional automotive journalism which i think we've been so uh, we talked a little bit about how you got started before what year was that in that you got invited to your first uh, ford event so i i got started so raw just went live october 1st 2007 and it was the summer okay. of 2000 and uh summer of 2008 i think is when i actually okay. like june july of 2008 somewhere around there Okay. So you're four years ahead of me. I mean, we were June, July of 2012. Okay. So, but even then, like I, we can say we're, we're Similar part of the same uh, generation of auto journalists yeah. for sure. So, and, and I mean, I'm talking about the shift from like full print media and newspapers getting the first, the first grabs and everything to web content mm -hmm. and now videos in the mix and all that kind of stuff. So I think we've seen the same shift market shifts that, that, you know, you and I have seen the same ones. Um, so based on that, I mean, we're, I guess I went off on a tangent, but no, you're fine. Uh, you don't need you don't need as many qualifications. You don't really need to know very much. Um, and here's the thing: if if you put something up on the internet, 
that there are going to be readers that are going to assume that it's true. They're going to take your word for it. Right. So I think I think journalists and actually the the five or ten percent number that you gave of American journalists that are actually car people is lower than I thought you were going to give because I'd give a similar uh, number for Canadians. But again, five or ten percent of our market is five or ten percent of the American market to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, sorry, our market is 10% ten, is ten yeah. of the American market. Yeah, I know what you, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, I think based on that, I really wanted to be, when we started our outlet, we wanted to be one of the outlets that knows what we're talking about. And none of us had any writing or, or car... Um, sorry, any writing experience of journalism per se, mm-hmm. but every single member of our team at doubleclutch.ca magazine is is a hardcore car person. Every single one of us had a day job. Every single one of us still has a day job. We Yet we somehow managed to have five or six press cars a week in the office and we we're all technical guys you know mm-hmm. we've got one guy who's in who's an engineer at uh, who's a hydro engineer we've got one guy who's a portfolio manager at the at one of the big banks in Canada we've got you know a guy who restores shit like Jaguar E-types and MGBs and Ferrari 308 328s and that's and that's what he does uh, along with his other day job it's ridiculous like i basically knew all of these people that were they weren't particularly close friends of mine before they are now, um, but you know it's these are people that are so knowledgeable because all we did growing up and the one thing we had in common was we read all the magazine all the buff books mm-hmm. back to back uh, cover to cover every month. Um, we would chat about it. We'd be on all these online forums, and I don't know how a guy like me who's never owned this car would end up reading how tos on like the Pontiac Grand Prix forum. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. what the hell am I doing there? I've never had a Grand Prix. I've, right. I never intended to have a Grand Prix. But somehow I'm on there reading how to rebuild, like, uh, a window regulator on one of those things. Like, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's shit like that that kind of brought our team together. And we thought, you know, once in a while, all of us would go to a dealership and waste uh, some poor sales guy's time just to be like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely interested in buying this you know, 2007 335i, this is back in 2007, can I take it for a spin? And it's all for no reason other than to gather my own impressions and see if the the magazines were right. Was that car the best thing since sliced bread? And mm-hmm. yes, it was. So the N54 started blowing up. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's kind of the... We just said there are so many people that are producing content out there. And don't get me wrong, there are, there are a lot of people that are producing fantastic content out there, but there are also people who are just misinforming the customer yeah. or the consumer yeah. saying, you know, you should buy this. This is wonderful. And it's wonderful because the manufacturer gave it to me for a week to drive. Mm-hmm. And I won't say anything bad about it. This is a wonderful car. Please go buy a Nissan Cube. And it's, <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's stuff like that that had me thinking, you know, we need to be the informative, technical... Um, comparative outlet in Canada that can say, okay, well, you're looking to buy a Corolla or a Camry or a Civic or an Elantra. Um, you don't know what to buy. We'll tell you. We'll say, you know, the Elantra gets better mileage than uh, fuel mileage with the IVT than a Corolla and the Civic. And the Civic is the most dynamic, most engaging, all that kind of stuff. Like we want to put all that together and say, listen, if you want a compact and these are your priorities, this is the one you should buy. And if you want driving engagement, you buy the Civic or the Mazda 3. And it, it, we, we took that approach 
And it's worked for us because um, on top of that, we actually, we do things a little bit differently. And uh, I know we touched on this a little bit before on, uh, on the other podcast, but our team, we all live in the greater Toronto area. And what we do is, I mean, each of us has a car. And, you know, there's seven of us. We have five cars a week. So two of us always have a break, which is great. Mm-hmm. And um, the, those of us that have cars, we get together every Wednesday or Thursday evening. We have dinner. We chat about the vehicles. Not that we're not already chatting all day long in our group chat, but um, we get together. Everyone swaps keys. We drive. We do a little bit of a drive loop and say whoever needs to drive what takes the first spin, and we gather our impressions that way. Well, so, see, that is, I think that's one of the things with owning raw autos. I, you know, I'm the photographer, the videographer, the writer, the, you know, the marketing guy. I've done everything at the website. And that's one of the things yeah. I've always been very jealous of is other websites and other publications like yours, where you have a team of people that can show up and actually really want to be involved with this. It's, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing. And I have talked to people over the years. You bring up two interesting points. One, which is kind of a theme that I, 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 you know, basically every podcast I kind of talk about this, where the greatest part about the automotive industry is that if you like cars and you want to get into it, there's no reason why you can't. You know, there, there are so right. many people that are in this industry because they just like cars. That's it. And yeah. it's 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 a pretty inclusive, uh, you know, situation where if you didn't like your job before, you can always jump, you know, Johnny Lieberman told me this. Um, it, it pretty much everybody has have, I've had on the podcast has told me this. They didn't like their job before, so they decided to write about cars. And that is a that is a huge gamble. But if it makes you happy, if it if it makes your mental health better, what's yeah. what's stopping you, right? And so you have And I think in a time like this that's that's very important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you the, a pandemic like this, I mean, just any situation, any situation where you realize that that life is finite, right? Where you have only a certain amount of moments to live. And if you enjoy it as much as you can, bam. I mean, of course, that's <laughs> it's easier said than done when, you know, the job you hate pays the bills and you don't know if jumping ship to do something else in a totally different field or industry is actually going to supply you with a lifestyle. I understand yeah. people's trepidation. Um but I can assure you there are plenty of people that, that have, you know, had great news in the sense of just leaving one industry for this one and, and, and being able to make it even with a part-time job or with a full-time day job, right? Um, and so that, you know, you having like-minded people around you to review cars with you and actually be car guys with you, car, car people. And, you know, it's, it's also why I had, uh, you know, my first two podcasts were with, I think, great uh, female journalists, which was Alana Shear and uh, and Kristen. Um, uh, of course, I'm blanking on her name right now. Jeez, <laughs> Kristen <laughs> Lee from Jalopnik? No, 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 no. Um, why? Oh, jeez, why am I? Um, uh, Shaw, Shaw, right, Kristen Shaw. Sorry, oh, I was okay. like, I, I don't know her. So she's out of Texas, and she's she's cool. great. We met on a on a Toyota Corolla launch a few years ago, and she's she's really really uh, bright woman, and she knows her stuff. And she loves classic cars and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. it's one of the things that I, I, I hope for the industry and I hope this pandemic kind of produces is more people that want to be in this industry because they care about it, but also because they care about the other people around them. You know, women, you know, whether yeah. it be people of color or, you know, wh- whoever it is, 
that's the I think that's the coolest part is that I, I've you know in this auto industry it's not perfect but one of the cool things is no, that it's true. I feel like everybody can get in and there isn't really there's always going to be some form of racism or sexism but I think the overwhelming majority is is shifting in a positive direction and we're seeing yeah. that and I think the the community's better off there are more people in and out of the community that are that just love cars they're coming in i mean and and by the way when i said my five to ten percent earlier you know there's god i mean tens of thousands of people writing about cars in in the united states right are there that many really i would assume so at this point right because you think you have let's say you have i don't know uh 25 newspapers in each state right and let's say that let's say that three of them publish about cars right i know in north carolina there's probably probably 25 or 30 people that write about cars just in within a two hour, three hour radius of me, you know? Yep. So, so I, I guess that's a good point. You know, that's, so that's, I mean, you know, that five, 10%, you know, it could be even 25%. I could be wrong. Cause I'm living in the sticks. I'm living in the middle of nowhere and I'm around nobody. If I went out to, if I moved out to LA, which I thought about doing years ago, um, yeah. to get more press cars and whatnot, you know, I'm sure that yep. it, that number would be 75% to me, you know? Um, I'm actually trying to think of who I know in um, it, in your part of the world. I, I want to say, did I Dan Neal not far from you? Dan Neal lives about 15, 20 minutes away from me. Um, right, yeah, and yeah. And then Ezra Dyer lives about two hours away from me. Ezra Dyer from Car and Driver. Oh, cool. um, yeah. And uh, actually, I will say, those two guys, I was starting to get, I was really on a roll getting you know some decent press cars. And then Dan had decided he, because he's from Raleigh, North Carolina, he decided he was moving yep. back to North Carolina. And um, I was so flabbergasted because I was like, oh, thank God, this is great. And so. Okay, now you're going to get more stuff sent your way. <laughs> right. And Ezra Dyer actually had a car sent my way because he didn't have room in his driveway to, oh, to, wow. to actually use it. So he had it sent to me so that way, because I was going to help him with a review of something. And so he just yeah. had it sent to me. <laughs> so, you know, that it's stuff like that as well, where, you know, it, it's, it's appreciated, you know? Um, yeah. But Dan, I remember, uh, when he was actually on Facebook, he's not really on Facebook anymore now, but, um, but when he was on Facebook, actually using it, he would take pictures and post up what he had, whatever. And I, I would always joke and say, Oh, well, I'll be getting that car next week. Thanks. Thanks for having it first. And thanks for making sure I can get it. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, going back to to your point, you know, you have it's always something that's made me jealous that you have people around you that that work with you and write with you, because I'm I'm a lone guy, right? And, and I'm so I'm incredibly yeah. jealous that you can, you know, I have car guys that I know and and friends, but they're kind of scattered all over the state, right? So I don't see yeah. them all that often. But you, you know, you get your your like minded friends, which is great. Yeah, and you know, living in Toronto kind of helps with that because. Yeah, I've got, I mean, I'm not in the sticks. I'm I'm deep in the suburbs, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm not more than an hour away from really any of my uh, close friends that are that are kind of local. <clears throat> and every, everyone's always down to hang out, especially when it's warm out and it's like car season. Yeah, it, and yeah. I have something interesting. And you know, pandemic aside, if I had something, you know, before when you were actually allowed to get into cars with people. 
and uh, <laughs> didn't have to risk getting the corona. Um, it was uh, it was like, oh yeah, I've got this uh, I've got this car, and I if, if I really am con- I, I want to share it with somebody, or I want to be like, hey, you know what? I just feel like going for a drive tonight. I can call up three or four friends, and within twenty minutes, we can all be at a local. Uh, Tim Hortons, uh, grabbing a coffee and then going for a spin, no matter what hour of the day or night it is. Um, I'm I'm fortunate that I'm able to do that. I have real car people and, you know, I, I do this thing and, and I think you do it once in a while too. If I have a, if I have an interesting press car, I'll, I'll take a photo of it on the driveway and I'll put it on, uh, on my personal Facebook and say, well, this is what I'm driving. This is what I think of it right now. (laughs) And, uh, this is the ass tested price. And it usually brings out so much engagement that um, it's it's just people want to know they like there's obviously the people that see something like there's a 911 there's a 992 on my driveway right now and he's like oh that's so cool and it brings out we call them fair weather friends that yes. only want to talk to you when uh, when you have something cool yeah. and fuck those guys but um, <laughs> but but no like other than the guys that are like oh yeah this is so cool really cool you're driving a Porsche cool but there's actually people that are like this sparked a whole debate about you know PDK versus manual and people say oh I don't care how good PDK is I still want a manual and that's there and you know I, I love seeing that kind of engagement these are all people that you know I'm, I'm happy to get a beer with happy to get a coffee with and and just talk cars because it's something that I enjoy doing and I will admit I don't want to really do it all that much um, outside of work because it is it, you know I, I, I but somehow on the other side of things I do want to do it if that makes any sense you know yeah right no, like, I, I don't want to talk about cars with my family and my, like, you know, my, my partner's very understanding. Uh, my, my, my fiance is very, very understanding of, uh, and respectful of, of my passion. She's, you know, she, you know, we, we chat about cars when, when we, when we, when we need to, but, uh, like, she's not a car girl really by any means. She appreciates them, but it's like when I'm out with my friends, like most of my friends are car people <laughs> and it's kind of strange, but in a good way, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm lucky that my wife, you know, she knew how to drive a manual and she liked driving manual. Yep. And so when we started dating, um, she had a, a Hyundai Tiburon that was an automatic, but it got, I mean, within like two months of us dating. Yeah, right. <laughs> somebody yeah. rear-ended her at like four o'clock. She was on her way to work. Um, yeah. Um, and somebody rear-ended her at like four o'clock in the morning and then just backed up and drove off. So it totaled her car. And yep. She had to run out, and she had no idea what she really wanted. And we had just started dating, so of course I didn't want to. I didn't want to start getting involved, like as the man, and be like, "No, you shouldn't get that. You should get this. This is what you should get." I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, "Look, if you ask me for advice, I'll give it to you, but I'm not gonna just take over the situation unless you ask me. I don't want to yeah. be that person, right?" And yeah, she went and bought a Chevy Cruze Eco with a manual because. She knew that I loved manuals, and so she wanted to get a manual to kind of like, you know, she wanted to kind of, I don't know if she wanted to impress me, but she wanted me to, I guess, like her more, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Um, you're, 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 you know you're sleeping on the couch Monday night, right? After yeah. the podcast run? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Cool. Carry on. <laughs> so, um, so she got this car, and uh, I did finally convince her to trade it in about, I don't know, maybe two years later, about a year or two later on a brand new Hyundai Veloster turbo R spec, right? Manual transmission. She loved it. I, I convinced her to do that. Cause I, I, um, called a guy who used to run the dealership who called the dealership and, you know, gave us the best deal possible for her, Right. Um, really 
absolutely did a great job. So she got that, and then she just recently traded it in in December um, of this year. In fact, my wife is calling me right now. Uh, I'm going to decline it. <laughs> but uh, she got a 2019 Jetta GLI, or sorry, yeah, Jetta GLI with a manual gearbox. Cool. And yeah. she, she loves that car, and it's it's great. So you know, how's, how's traffic where you are? Uh, not too bad because we are. Um, we're really not in the mix of traffic every day. Okay. Yeah. See that. That's the thing. And I think I think my my better half would be okay with a manual if we lived nowhere. And she can drive a stick fine, mm-hmm. like no problem. And you know, weekend spins in my F two thousand. She's been doing a lot more of that this summer. Um, that's that's fine. But in in everyday traffic, I, I just think I don't think uh, I think her preference would just remain an automatic. So she has a she has a Genesis G seventy. Oh, nice. uh now uh yeah we we just got it uh i, I want to say a month or two ago uh right but basically right when lockdown started we got the g70 uh because it was delayed like a month because of that the whole shutdown um but yeah we we have it it's it's it's, it's, it's the perfect car for her now um and it, it replaces an a and like a 2014 a4 so okay. I mean, that's, that's kind of been her car history. And before that was a hand-me-down Volvo cross-country wagon, which she loved and adored. And um, I think down the road, we'll, um, we'll, we'll get back into a, a Volvo cross-country because I've, I've realized that if kids are in the future, the G70's rear seat is a little bit tight. Mm-hmm. And by a little bit, I mean absolutely useless. <laughs> See, this is why I'm very happy that my wife does not want children for a while. I'm 34, but she's 28. So okay, yeah, yeah. Her, you know, she's she's luckily her her clock isn't ticking yet, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny because sometimes we'll talk about children. We'll talk about oh, you know, you know, once yep. we have kids and blah blah blah, and then she's around her nieces and nephews, or, or her niece and nephews, and or she's around my nieces and nephews. And she's like, no, yeah. I'm good for right now. I'm good. No. I'm yeah. Good. I love it's funny. them. We're in, we're in the same situation. Like, we like kids, but it's kind of like you get press kids, like press cars. Yes. Like you get to play with them, and then you get to fill up the tank and return them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're not responsible for dealing with the maintenance issues. Literally. Or when the turbos blow, or when the, <laughs> they need transmission replacement. <laughs> right? It's like... Yeah, go ahead. You're like, there's a service engine soon light on. So I don't know what you guys want to do with this. That's up to you. You know, when you pick it up, that's yeah. that's your thing. Yeah. It, it's. Yeah, I don't want to deal with crying. Yeah. No, it's it's true. I, the uh, This is going to sound awful, but one of my good friends just came to me recently and uh, said, you know, hey, just want to let you know, we're redoing our, real, our will and we wanted to um, see if it was okay if we can put you and Reba down as, as the the people that I take care of our two kids if anything happens to us, right? Right. And I was like, of course, you know, because I've known these kids since they were literally children, since they were, you know, one was uh, four or five years old and the other was like six, right? Six or seven years old. So I've known these kids since they were actual kids, you know, worked with them to to read with them, to do their math equations, things like that, right? And so I adore them, they adore me. And I was like, of course, absolutely. But the best part is... One of the kids is 16, and the other kid is is what uh, is what 13, 12 or 13 right now. So I'm like, this is great because one kid will already be off in college. If anything happens to you guys, one kid will already yeah. be in college. The other one will be on his way to college. And I'm like, this is 
Yes, you can absolutely put our names down. This will be the easiest of my life. Yes, yes. Yeah, but you see, you know the you know the complication with this is now you got to pay for uh, for college. <laughs> Luckily, they're smart enough that I think they'll get their. Uh, I think they'll get plenty of uh, of of um, uh, people, other people paying for it. <laughs> Luckily, you know, screw screw you guys and your uh, your how easy it is in your country to get free rides to college. Just just saying, um, like university scholarships here are are very very tough. Really, and if you do, yeah. So in Ontario, okay, so this was at least the case. 14, 15 years ago when I was in the application process. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, in in Ontario, there's a thing called um, OSAP, O-S-A-P. I think it's like Ontario Secondary Assistance Program or something. That's basically your loan. Your loan is done through OSAP, Mm -hmm. right? The government lends you some money, and uh, it's your college loans, your student loans. Um, So basically, from, from how it was back then, 90% 90% of the scholarships were only eligible to students that were on OSAP. Now, I was fortunate enough that my parents paid for uh, my undergrad degree, and because they paid for my, for my undergrad degree, um, I didn't need OSAP. But in order to qualify for scholarships, my grades were good going into university. So I was like, okay, like I'll apply for OSAP. I was basically told by OSAP, like, uh, your parents make more than the threshold that we would accept you for loans. We're declining for the loan because your parents effectively make too much money for this. And therefore, you're not eligible for any scholarships. So even if I busted my ass in college and got amazing grades, I would have gotten nothing. See, that's interesting because that's a similar thing to me because my parents made, um, my parents obviously made good money and they were willing to pay for my college degree. But I wanted to go to a different college and my dad was like, I'm not paying for out of state tuition, right? And so I went ahead and tried to get financial aid and they said, no, you're still dependent on your parents, you know, taxes and everything. So no, you can't get financial aid. They make too much money. So it was kind of, there there was kind of that thing where I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. But I mean, at least I was able to, I I was, my parents were willing to still give me a free education. I just couldn't go. They just didn't want me to go out of state. Right. Um, Now my wife actually had a full ride offered to her for soccer uh, to a university. Cool. And she actually turned it down because they, not that they can't, in in America, they can't tell you what you can or can't study. They can just recommend that you don't because of sports, right? And they can kind of, you know, screw with you that way. Well, she wanted to study biology and they recommended that she not. So she, instead of taking a full ride to a, um, a division three school, which is, you know, top tier NCAA, uh, uh, college, uh, yeah, athlete yeah. school, right? She went to like a D two school, D one or D two school, um, to um, get a lesser scholarship. So she only had half of a scholarship, and then she played soccer there and got her degree in biology. But she still walked out of there with what forty grand in college debt. Um, yeah. So my entire crazy. degree was twenty thousand dollars Canadian, which is like I want to say twelve or thirteen thousand U.S. dollars right now. What the fuck? Yeah, so it's annually. Okay, so I just did the conversion. Fourteen thousand seven thirty-five ninety U.S. was what my degree was. So let's divide that by four. Uh, it's my like annually. It's like thirty-seven hundred bucks, which is which is what. And I went to the, the University of Toronto, which is uh, uh, like one of the top schools in Canada. Holy so shit! It's, 
so tuition is cheap up here compared to what you guys pay. Like even like in-state tuition for you would probably be way more than that. Oh yeah, I mean in-state tuition for most North Carolina universities is at least at least nine grand a semester. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so it's it, it 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 is cheap. We, that well, that's one thing. Like I can't be bitching that I didn't get a scholarship to reduce or subsidize that amount because the amount overall was was pretty pretty low relatively not to you know not to um take anything away from those that did need loans and that did go because i know a lot of people that that are still in uh student debt and uh you know it is it's the same situation it's just it's relative i guess for us versus and and how your parents said hell no you're not going out of state my parents said hell no you're not going to the state So and for and rightfully so. I mean, it, you know, the thing is, it, it makes sense because you you talk about the you know the relative value of it. You know, the relative uh, you know yeah. between the two countries, right? I mean, the one thing is is that certain things are going to be harder here that are easier there, and vice versa, right? Yep. Um, but that's one of the things I always liked about Canada is that, <laughs> like I'm like I'm talking about, you know, like like I'm in the UN. One of the things I always liked about that country. <laughs> um, now, one of the things I always liked about Canada and Canadian people that I've known over the years, number one, you know, of course, the stigma is that you guys are extremely nice and kind and, and pleasurable to be around, you know. Um, yeah, people have said that they don't know me. I'm a total <laughs> asshole, as you know. <laughs> so, so far, I really enjoy all of the Canadians I've been around in my life, uh, but uh, except for you. It's really, you know, it's... A, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I don't that, blame you for that. I think that Canada is a is a... Is a uh, number one, I've never been to Canada, but you you do have a beautiful country, right? Our right. countries have a beautiful relationship. We have a great friendship. Um, a little bit less so right now, for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. But I do. One of the things that I always get annoyed with is that people act like um, Canada is so drastically different, like it's Europe or something. It's like guys, they're yeah. like we're basically almost the same country just a, a few different laws you know what i mean because even even if you look at the laws and rules between the two countries what do you find you find extreme similarities in terms of you know crimes punishment and and even you know to an extent of of gun laws right over the years yeah um now obviously that is changing right now um that is going to be yeah. changing for you guys in the near future but I think that, you know, our countries, number one, uh, Canada has always been a great way to get uh, other cars into the United States that we couldn't get here, right? Yeah. Um, it's always been a nice nice way to get cars in. Uh, obviously, some I've known people that have gone to Canada for healthcare, uh, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I've known 18-year-olds that went across the border to go get some beer, <laughs> to go have a few drinks. Uh, okay, but, but uh, it is, well, actually, it's nine, 19 most places, 18 in Quebec. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, nineteen in Ontario, which is which still blows my mind how it's twenty one in the in, in the state, but you can like you can get you can buy cigarettes and get into strip clubs at eighteen, but you need to be twenty one to drink alcohol. Like, is, is that not weird? So actually, it has changed. Now we have a twenty one oh. uh, for cigarettes. Um, okay. It just changed this past year for cigarettes. However, also strip clubs. Uh, they have, believe it or not, they have 18-year-old strip clubs where <laughs> the women do not get fully naked. They actually have to wear underwear, and they wear pasties. I see. Okay. And what about uh, casinos? Uh, casinos are uh, 21. 
Okay. All right. Fair enough. I take my words back. No, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. Because honestly, that these are things that have, and it's also like, um, it's also like a state by state thing. So there are okay. 18 to 20 year old strip club places. There are very few around the country, but there are okay. more. Of course, if you're 21 and over, you can go in. Right. Um, Yes. Now, some places still allow people that are 18 or 19 to go into a strip club, um, but, you know, they obviously are very particular about it, right? Um, yep. But, yeah, there, I lived in Florida for a short period of time. There were, there were genuinely two different types of strip clubs, people that were 18 to 20 and people that were 21 and over. So it was kind of interesting, you know, the different uh, dynamics of that. But it, and a lot of people don't know that just because they haven't, you know, they haven't been around it. And now, of course, the the legal drinking age is still 21. And that didn't actually yeah. happen until the 1980s. Um, yeah. And that was because of Ronald Reagan actually pushing for basically withholding funding to states to change their their 18 year old drinking laws to 21. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So um, uh, he worked with uh, Matt, a group called Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Um, oh, yeah, I've been mad. Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah. Now, interesting, weird question, by the way, while we're on this. Um, yeah. Have you ever watched South Park? Uh, no, not, I, I, I know of it. I know some of the references, but I, I've never really gotten into okay, it. The, the, the animation's a little weird for me. I was going to, because I was going to ask, you know, I grew up with South Park, and I was going to ask, you know, if it, if it bothers you or weirds you out, you know, the, the references to Canada, the Canadian references where all Canadian characters, uh, their head actually just is like cut in half and they, it just hops up and down on their, on their, you know, when they talk. Interesting. So, yeah. I they, had no idea. Yeah. They actually, all Canadians actually have like basically, like where normal American characters just have a slit in their face where they talk out of their mouth, right? All the Canadian characters in South Park, like the bottom half of their head is actually just like cut through and their top yeah. of their head actually bounces up and down to, to talk on their, on their body. Oh, wow. it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I, uh, but I, I love South Park, you know, it's, uh, um, yeah, but there are other Canadian references in the movie that they did bigger, longer and uncut, uh, years ago. Um, they were actually, it was a whole song called Blame Canada. And uh, they were I remember that. I, Blame Canada. Canada, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> so that's, I was, I was like, what's Blame Canada for, man? I mean, everyone's so nice. <laughs> well, that was, kind of the, that was kind of the joke. Is like, every, they're all so nice and they let anything happen. Stop them. You know, so was, yeah, of course, exactly. it was, it was uh, obviously ridiculous. And, and it was mocking people that, um, that didn't like uh, Canada's anti- not anti, but uh, less conservative lenience, you know, when it came to religion, running politics sort of thing, right? Um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that was a very weird side note. But uh, but yeah, so we were, we were talking about your website. You started in, in 2012, doubleclutch.ca. And what is, what was a motivation when, like, was it, did you see a car and you were like, oh, I want to review that or I want to tell people about it. Is there something where it was specific no. or was it just kind of like, I'm bored. Let's, you know, let's talk about cars. No, it was. So the summer of, well, the spring of 2012, I was, you know, hanging out with a couple of my buddies who are also car guys. And we're like, we, I used, again, I used to work for a, um, a Canadian outlet that's no longer, uh, no longer there. Um, and I, I was their photographer and they had folded or were folding in that, in that time. And, uh, a couple of guys were like, you should do this. And one of the guys there was, 
with a friend of mine at the time and uh he said you know let's um you should you should review cars like you like cars you you should do this so i did i reached out to uh a couple of automakers after creating a small blog which was also called doubleclutch.ca at the time and um we we published some reviews we basically asked anyone we knew who with friends or friends' parents that had something new at the time said, hey, can, can you let us uh, drive this around a little bit for a couple hours, take some photos, and uh, we'll, we'll take off your license plates, but can we or blur them? Can we can we publish it on, on this website? And they're like, yeah, absolutely, no worries. And pretty much everyone gave us that we knew had gave us some cars. We rented a couple from Enterprise. Um, and because, you know, I mean, 25, 30 bucks a day for a Mustang. And, uh, you know, I was 22, 23 at the time. Mm-hmm. So getting to hoon around in a V8 Mustang was fun anyway. Um, and so we just published those and then eventually we reached out to automakers and, uh, yeah, like it, it was kind of a ripple effect from there. And, uh, we can now, we're fortunate enough. We've developed some great relationships with, um, automakers and, uh, now we get calls when there's cars, new cars on the fleet. And, um, we review roughly 200 to 250 cars a year. Um, Basically, we try to do everything that's available um, with no redundancy. So if there's like a new Civic, um, we'll try to review like multiple trims because it's better for SEO. And uh, let's face it, most, um, most outlets just test like the top trim. But nobody really, well, not very many people buy the $34,000 Honda Civic. Right? Right. They buy the $24,000 one. And so that's the one I want to review. And usually the press fleet will have that available and I'll drive that. And then we'll also drive the top trim and then we'll have two separate reviews like the EX and the touring. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we do things. And, uh, that way, and we also have a different journalist, like a different guy will review the EX than the guy that reviewed the touring and the SI that year. Okay. That's smart. Because, and so if I reviewed a civic this year, then I probably won't review a civic again for three or four years. And by then it'll be either seen a mid cycle refresh or, you know, it'll be all new uh, unless it's, you know, the Toyota Tundra or the Nissan Frontier that have been untouched for, in the, you know, in the entirety of my life. <laughs> that's a, I think it's a smart approach. Um, it, it, keeps, it keeps everything fresh. Um, uh, and, I mean, I, I, again, I'm kind of jealous of that because I would love to have that. I mean, my wife helps review some of the cars. She's actually, uh, actually done a couple of text reviews uh, for me. Um, because she does like it. She does actually drive the press cars. Um, cause she's a part of, of raw auto. She does help me take photos and she does help me do videos or, you know, make content in other ways, but it, it is nice to get a fresh pair of eyes and a fresh, you know, pair of hands on the car to actually, uh, experience it from a different value. Right. And, yep. uh, that's why I try, I mean, obviously it's been more difficult because of the pandemic, but, uh, I try and get friends to see cars that I'm reviewing, right. Friends and family to kind of see their, to gauge their interest. You know, um, I saw a friend the other day that, uh, he's in the market for another sedan and, uh, we, you know, I showed him the, uh, the Sonata hybrid that I have right now. And he was like, you know, right. this is a, this is an interesting contender. Like I would be interested in, in this, you know, and, and his wife yeah. just bought a, a used BMW i3. Um, so they're, you know, they're now getting more, uh, he would prefer a sporty sedan, something with a manual, because he had a Buick Regal GS um, with a manual that he really liked. And... Um, Accord 2.0 T-Sport. Oh, man, those are those are great. Uh, you know, that is a good recommendation that I could give him, actually, now to think about it. 
Because that, that is runner up for double clutch dot ca car of the year last year. What was the car of the year? G seventy. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, G seventy is sorry. Not, not last year. The year before. I think last year uh, car of the year was Supra. Oh, okay. Because we do our okay. awards in December. So, like last year was really six months ago. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the year before it was uh, I, this year it was Supra, and the runner-up was actually the new Corolla. But last year it was uh, we went to LA and we literally booked the three finalists for Car of the Year, and it was the G70, the Accord Sport Stick, and the um, uh, the, the MX5, the updated MX5 at the time. I'll tell you, I have reviewed a number of the Corollas. Uh, I've actually I've actually tested three different Corolla hatchbacks. Um, oh yeah, and I I really do like this new Corolla. I I oh, it's the best Corolla that's ever existed. Absolutely. In fact, I was going to make a joke earlier when you said you know you know these days obviously you don't want to get Corona, and I was going to say yeah well five ten years ago it was that you didn't want to get a Corolla. You didn't want to. Yeah, even, it's true. I mean, yep. they were they were not great, you know. Um, but this one, I I'm like, damn, this is actually a good car. It's 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 fun. It's more lively. I mean, granted, of course, it's not going to set your hair on fire with speed, but it has a a good manual. It has a um, plenty of technology and safety features. My God, I, I think yeah. it's it's hard for me to to look at something and go it's not going to be safe because I feel like every small car now is just I think everything's safe. safe now. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think the thing with the Corolla isn't even the, the value or the, the fact that a Corolla and uh, with the TNGA um, platform mm-hmm. that it's, that it's based, the basis of it, um, it's actually a wicked handler. Yes. Like the new Corolla, this chassis is super stiff. It's super rigid. This thing will hoon like it's nobody's business. Yeah. And yeah. for me to say that about a Toyota Corolla, like I drove the hybrid on the track and I came back. I remember I came back in. Um, we have a, we have an event. It's the Automotive Journalist Association of Canada. Um, they have like a test fest okay. and you get together and uh, basically all the vehicles that have been nominated for Canadian car of the year um, and manufacturers basically bring out new and highlighted products. Um, they're in, uh, you know, they're in the building. We're on their laptops all together. All the manufacturer reps are together and the cars are all in this big ass parking lot. You can either do a road course, you can do the racetrack or you can do an off road course for SUVs. And, um, so it's like three days of just fun. It's like, it's like Addy Christmas. Um, <laughs> so what, what we went to do and I, and I took the Corolla out and I'd already reviewed one, but I hadn't, I hadn't beat on the track yet. So I go out, I do a couple laps in the Corolla. I come back in. And uh, the the Toyota PR girl, who's, who's who's fantastic, she says to me, you know, how would you think? And I'm like, hey, you know what? I never thought the day would come that I would come back from driving a Toyota Corolla on the racetrack and saying this thing was fucking awesome. <laughs> and they thought I was making fun of it and being sarcastic. So I said, uh-uh, get in the car. So she came out with me. She jumped in the passenger seat, and I had this Corolla. Like, this thing will do liftoff oversteer. Yeah. Like on, I'm 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 completely sideways on the track. This I believe the second time I went out, it was in the regular XLE or XSE or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and I, I had it completely sideways on the track. And we did a couple laps, came back, and she's like, "I'm sick now." But you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I I had uh, so I was down in Charleston, South Carolina, um, reviewing the um, all the Corollas, and the but the year prior, or the summer prior to that. Um, they had Toyota had sent me a pre-production 
um, Corolla hatchback with uh, with an automatic and and uh, I, I was I was blown away. I mean, I wanted it with uh, it had a CVT, but I wanted it with the manual. And they said that when they get more when they got more in the fleet, they'd send me you know another car. So while I was down there, I drove a manual around their little tiny track, you know that they had uh, done. Uh, but I could you couldn't drive it more than thirty five miles an hour, so you really couldn't you know you really couldn't really you know put it through any paces yeah. of any sort. But of when course. I got back a few months later, they sent me a manual hatchback, and I drove the piss out of that car. You know there are a ton yeah. of great back roads where I live. And I drove the absolute hell out of it. And I was so impressed that for, you know, under $25,000 American, I could get a car that I could actually enjoy and not feel like that I, I was just buying a car because, oh, well, it's safe and it's got good gas mileage. At least it has a manual. No, it actually has a good manual, has good steering, has good handling. Yep. And I'm like, this is this is fantastic. I mean, to the point that I went to to Ed Locus, who is the um, vice president of uh, Toyota Marketing uh, for North America. I went to him at the um, uh, the Corolla uh, launch event, and I said, Ed, so what are we doing with the Corolla? Because it's really good with a manual, you know, especially the hatchback. What's yeah. happening? You know, like you, I, you've got to be dreaming up something of a, of a GTI killer here. Right. Um, yeah. and he's like, cause I, I, I mentioned the, uh, um, uh, the Yaris, um, over in Europe. And I was like, you know, is that coming here? He's like, well, you know, we're looking at it. Basically it's something that we're interested in doing and we think we're going to do it and it will be a Corolla hatchback. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Of course I reported on it very lightly in my reviews of the cars. Right. Um, and then of yeah. course they have, they have announced that they are bringing, um, the, uh, as a TRD model, the Corolla hatchback, that's going to be the, yeah. the Veloster N fighter and the GTI fighter. And I think it's great because more cars that are under $30,000 in the United States that are fun, affordable, great to drive, still get, you know, fantastic fuel mileage and are safe and, and feasible to own for all people. That to me, I'm I'm tired of this whole crossover SUV truck trend. Uh, these cars are great. My nephew, uh, when he was what 19 or 20, uh, fell asleep at the wheel in his in his newer Civic. It was a 2018 Civic um, or 2017 yeah. Civic, whatever. He he had been working. Um, he'd worked like three shifts of work and was coming home at like six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning. Um, fell asleep at the wheel and. Uh, ran head on. It was actually a, um, an offset head on collision uh, with a big work truck. And oh wow! Yes, I mean the car was total destroyed. Right, it rolled over a couple times. Uh, how, they, how was he though? He had a. Uh, all he did was he had a, a minor laceration on his left knee, um, and he was fine. Yeah. Otherwise. No bruises. No, you know, nothing else. He was fantastic. And of course, we we're all elated, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kept saying, Jesus, because that car was, I think, uh, $19,000 new. And I just kept saying a $19,000 car saved a, a, a kid's life. Nineteen thousand, A yeah, sub-$20,000 exactly. car saved a human being's life in a frontal offset collision, by the way, at 45 miles per hour. Yeah, that, that, that's unheard of. Yeah. So I'm like... And he hit a truck. He ran into a, a it was a, um, it was a, an F-250 work truck. Yeah. 
So, you know, I, yeah, I, I this conversation about big vehicles and, oh, safety and all this stuff, look, I, I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've seen yep. where these, oh, you know, sure. where these small cars are so damn safe, and they, and and I applaud these engineers. I applaud the people that are making these cars um, because they're making yep. stellar, stellar cars. But I just, I want, I want more of those smaller cars, which I mean, realistically, are now getting to be the size of mid-sized cars. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, you know, a mid-sized ten years ago is what a Civic is now, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, God, I mean, they're they're so good. There's so many good cars out there. What you, you mentioned, you have the 992 911. Uh, you have a Carrera for us, right? I have a Carrera for us. Yeah, yeah. 190 thousand Canadian dollars. <laughs> so just is, to is put it, that into context, that's about the base price of the R8 and the Vantage. Oh my God! I mm, I, I tell you though. Yeah. Ah, uh, see, you know, this is where it becomes an interesting topic. My dad had a an an R eight V ten, uh, the non plus yep. version it was a twenty seventeen. Okay. Uh, so just, I've I've owned a twenty fourteen V eight. Okay. With the, that was the first year I got the dual clutch. So you know, so you then you understand fully how good the R eight is. Oh yeah, like my my father in law has a V eight manual right now. Oh, it's spectacular. That's fantastic. But the, it's, they're they're lovely. Yeah. But the thing is. Vantage is amazing. My parents had a 2009 uh, Vantage uh, uh, convertible. Um, yeah, that I, I I loved. I adored that car. So, in fact, I actually yeah. drove it more than my parents did. So, I did the calculation. Was it a sport shift? Yeah, sadly, it was that shitty okay. gearbox. Yeah, it was terrible. But the yeah. car sounded incredible. Have um, you have you driven a manual one? I've not actually. Never have. Never have. So you've got to make your you've got to make your way up here because my toy is a manual one. It's a coupe. It's a it's a manual coupe in tungsten silver. So you you should you should drive that next time you're out this way. But um, I would love to, and especially yeah, for the fact that, yeah. your car's a no, one but, of one. Uh, it is a one of one. Tell me, tell the tell the listeners, all forty million um, of the people that will listen to this, uh, <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell them what your car so, is. So it's a uh, it's a it's a V8 Vantage uh, manual. And, uh, it's like it's the limited Casino Royale edition, um, and it's the only one they made uh, with this interior color combination, um, which is Kestrel brown on uh, with a bitter chocolate dashboard and carpet. So um, it also has the Aston Martin Power Pack, which adds a bit of power, a little some, some tuning. Um, and it's got the Aston Martin performance exhaust, and uh, this was all fitted at the factory. Um, it's pretty much stock right now. Um, I put Michelin Pilot Sport 4S's on it uh, because the original Bridgestones are not very good. <laughs> um, so I put PS 4S's on. I do take it to the track. Um, I show up, and people usually make jokes about, haha, it's just here to watch, or haha, it's going to break down. <laughs> um, it's actually been rock solid. Um, I will, like, my other two cars are an S2000 and a Lexus LS430, and the Vantage has been the most reliable car I've owned. Um, so uh, it had, it, it, they have one known failure point, and that's a timing chain cover gasket, timing cover gasket leaks. Um, and it, it had that addressed under warranty. So as long as I don't burn out the clutch, uh, I'm good. If I burn out the clutch, it's like five grand. Well, I mean, that's, I, 
five grand is is a decent amount, of money, but I wouldn't say that that's a crazy amount of money, especially when, at the time, you know they were they were you know in the same conversation as buying a you know a Ferrari, a Porsche, a Lamborghini, you know. Oh yeah. And and yeah. I mean a Lamborghini uh, Gallardo clutch at the time was like ten fifteen grand years ago. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and well, and my independent, I've got an Aston Martin independent that works on it, and uh, you know, it's 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 super well sorted. I've I've added. It's funny though. Guess how much Aston Martin, the dealer in Toronto, wanted to put Bluetooth streaming audio in it. Keep in mind, it already has a phone. It has Bluetooth phone. So I'm gonna guess that because it was a dealership, because it's some technology, it's some wiring, they're gonna want to charge you. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna I'm gonna guess this as Canadian dollars. Uh, so they sure. wanted, uh, let's see, they wanted forty two hundred dollars Canadian. Actually, you're not far off. They wanted five Canadian. Okay, I was gonna say five. So, Damn it! But I, was, I thought yeah, I might be five, a little five, bit too okay, high. Okay, so four. No, so four grand was for I, I want to say thirty eight to four was for this Bluetooth module. Okay. Now, keep in mind, the stereo on a Vantage is the same as a Volvo S60, S80, <laughs> right. S90, Sierra. Yep. So, um, well, sorry, like the head unit, the the, stereo, the speakers the system, are uh, yeah. diagonal. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so, in the, the, that module, I basically went and I looked it up online. And sure enough, the uh, module from a 2006 to 9 or whatever uh, Volvo S80 would fit perfectly. $146 at uh, the local Volvo dealer. And uh, my audio shop had the thing installed in an hour. So under 300 bucks, and I've had Bluetooth streaming audio for about two years. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is, you know. But yeah, it's, yeah. Companies are making it so much easier to get, uh, you know, because I, I was going to get an E46 M3. I'm still in the market looking at them, but um, yeah. But I, I found a company. Now this would be about 750 bucks American, um, but I yeah. found a company that would that sells a um, a new head unit that actually looks identical to the OEM navigation head unit that came in those cars back in the day, right? And the it reason, gives you like CarPlay. Uh, so it would give you CarPlay, Android Auto, all that good stuff. The the where it gets more expensive um, because normally I think the system just with CarPlay and and Apple Auto or um, sorry Android Auto, I think it's like yeah. three hundred and fifty dollars, right? Three hundred and fifty, three hundred and sixty yeah. bucks. But where it gets more expensive is because when I was when I'm looking at it uh, in my you know I haven't ordered it yet because I haven't bought a car yet and I don't really want to yeah. just spend you know nearly a grand on something when I don't have a car, but. Uh, you can actually option it to have um, front and rear cameras, so it'll come with the cameras that you can put, you know, cool. in yourself. And it's a pretty plug-and-play setup. And then it comes in the system, so it's actually like, it's actually a uh, an Android um, uh, computer system inside of there. So you can actually update right. it like you would an Android head unit and whatnot. But you can have it uh, uh, from the factory. They can they can switch it on to record all the cameras whenever the car is turned on so it record onto right. like a micro sd card uh which is oh great. you mean like a dash cam not like parking cameras like you mean actual recording dash cams you can actually do both you can if you put in a dash oh, cool. cam you can tie it in or you can do a uh, front and rear actual like parking cameras that will actually record as well yeah. um sweet so that's really cool also it'll do wireless uh android auto and apple carplay beauty um, that's what you need that exact exactly what I need, and and so that's why I mean I literally you know clicked every box you know uh, that was checkable, 
uh, because that was the whole thing. I wanted every single feature possible to make it as modern as, as, as I possibly could. And because yeah. part of that is, is and I think you can understand this, a lot of newer cars are coming with wireless chargers. Yep. But a lot of them aren't coming with wireless CarPlay or wireless auto. Right? No, it's only it's only BMW that does wireless exactly. CarPlay, and this year Audi and Porsche have added that. So I assume it's going to trickle. Oh, uh, Lambo! I believe the new Huracan does it as well. I think but, um, aren't it, Honda supposed yeah. to be adding it as well? They're supposed to, yeah, yeah but okay. it's like it's not here yet. Yeah. But uh, it, it's coming like ASA. It's going to be like 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 when Apple CarPlay and Android Auto became a thing, mm-hmm. where it was like mm-hmm. one or two manufacturers. That started. So I remember 2016, I was on the launch of the Golf R, and that was when uh, they announced Apple CarPlay as well. And uh, they said, oh, all our models this year are going to have it. And then immediately, within like two years, everybody else had it. And immediately, by like 2018, it was, I want to say Toyota and Lexus didn't have it, and Mazda didn't have it, and they were like the black sheep. Right, right. And right, so it was like I think that wireless thing is going to be like that, where it's 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 one or two started it, and within a year or two, everyone's going to have it. And I hope I hope that it will be, and I hope that it also will be a you know a potential uh, you know update or firmware update for some of the older cars that are maybe a year or two older. I don't know because obviously that means that they would have yeah. had to put the modules in the cars ahead of time. I don't know. Yeah. Now the cool thing that Hyundai did years ago. So for all 2015 and, and newer cars, you could update your uh, infotainment system to have Apple CarPlay and Android Auto uh, just from a, an SD card. So you could actually download the, the firmware update from the computer, take it, put it in your car, uh, and bam, it would, it would uh, update the firmware and you'd have Android or, uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto for a 2015 Hyundai Genesis uh, sedan. So cool. I always thought that was really cool. I liked the fact that it was like, oh, there's some, still some some you know newer features for older cars, which I thought was great. Um, but that's that's the thing is that I going into this back to this thing about you know modern features in older cars. That's where I think Porsche have have kind of cornered the market and done something incredible, which is uh, I'm sure you've seen this, but they have these. Apple CarPlay head units that they sell for yep. every 911 back to Porsche what? Like, Classic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that is the most amazing thing in the world because I just keep thinking every time we talked about this last night, and I've talked about this a billion times on the podcast here, that I want to I want to have a fun investment. You know, fun car now, invest maybe an investment yep. later, right? Something I can really enjoy and just have fun with. And I've looked at like C5 Z06s because I grew up around Corvettes and I like the C5 Z06. Great car. It can be a damn good track car, you know. Um, but the thing is, just it's a shitty interior to live in, you know. Yeah. Um, and but when I look at older Porsches, like when I look at 996 uh, turbos or C4Ss, I go, you know what? Not the greatest interior, but for, you know, what, a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars, I can get the, you know, I can get the the Apple CarPlay head unit in the car from the factory, basically. I think that's what uh, one of the things that makes these, you know, the Porsches more desirable, and you know, in the future with used cars, is the fact that you can modify and upgrade them and make them realistically modern. more modern. Yeah, and and that's why their values are going to continue to take a hike up in the air. Um, I agree, and, and, and I think for me, it's different because. I don't particularly care about CarPlay specifically, mm-hmm. but I'm an audiophile. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really enjoy 
um, having, like, I need my tunes. I, like, no matter where I am or what my drive is, I need my tune. I need my music on, um, either as podcasts or music. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I do probably 50,000 miles a year. Um, and I definitely need my music. So even cars like my F2000, the, I've got an AP2 bone stock. Um, the sound, the factory sound system is trash. It's, it's crap. Yeah. But I, I had a module fitted that can do Bluetooth audio just so I can have my Spotify, I can have my podcast, I can listen to your lovely voice as I drive down the street. Um, all, all these things that I need to be able to do. I actually, the only car I put CarPlay into, uh, a few years ago, I owned a um, 99 Lexus LS400 mm-hmm. because I decided, we, we did a project um, where we wanted to log as many kilometers on it as possible and basically prove, it was a project with Valvoline. Um, okay proving that, you know, good maintenance and good quality fluids um, can keep a high-mile car going for long. So it's kind of like our own type of million-mile Lexus um, idea. But I also wanted to own a Lexus LS400 because they're they're such an iconic great. vehicle that changed the luxury car game yeah. back in 1989, which was the year I was born. So something special to me, but I, I put an Android uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto uh, unit in that car. And I was like, you know what? This is great. This thing is 20 years old, and all I do is plug my USB in, and I get my I get to use my phone like as normal. And um, it, that was important to me. And then when that car got considerably worn out, and uh, I replaced it with my current LS430 Ultra, the problem is I really wanted to do that. But now the problem is that uh, that car had the the navigation infotainment unit also controls stuff like the climate control. Mm. Right, and it's like the brain of the car, as it is in most modern cars. Mm-hmm. So, just yanking the stereo and putting a CarPlay unit in would be uh, would be a problem. So, I I just fitted Bluetooth streaming audio, and I'm I'm good to go. So, I, it's kind of unfortunate that uh, just like that on the Vantage, there's a guy. He's called Astid Installations. Um, he used to be. He's the guy that developed the infotainment for the Vantage and the DBS and the DB9. Oh, cool, and. I, I don't know how exactly he's separated from Aston as, as a company, but this guy is the leader in modifications uh, to the electronics. So he fits Apple CarPlay. He basically will he'll, he'll, he'll charge you two grand, and he'll do Apple CarPlay into your unit, into your head unit. He'll fit front and rear cameras, dash cams, parking sensors, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the problem is there's no, like, there's no controller and those screens aren't touch screens. Right. So you kind of have to glue this disgusting little joystick <laughs> onto your dashboard. And you and I know what a Vantage interior looks like. Yes. They're stunning. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I don't want to touch that. I just, I, I have my Bluetooth audio and, it, and the quality is fine for what I need it for. And I'm fine with that. I have no interest in putting CarPlay into any of that right now. And I agree with you that as long as I can at least have Bluetooth, you know, Bluetooth audio, like good streaming, that's great. Cause I mean, I, I yeah. always have, um, I always have a USB plugged into my car so that way I can plug in my phone and yep. I'm always charging everywhere I go. Everybody laughs at me because I'm always at fully charged, you know, have a fully charged phone or I have something in my pocket that's charging my phone. Right. And yep. people laugh, but you know what? Look, my phone's always charged. Everybody else's always dies. 
I have, yeah, you're always reachable. If yeah. somebody needs to reach you, you never have the excuse of my phone died. Right, exactly. And if my phone dies, it's 11 o'clock at night, you know, and I've been yeah. sitting on the couch and I just need to go, you know, plug it in or I've been too lazy to plug it in because I even have USBs yeah. uh, next to my couch. So everybody, again, yeah, everybody continues to I, I do too, actually. When, you know, in this modern age, look, I love technology. You love technology. Why not? It's so easy to, to, put, to plug yeah. something into a wall and have it just waiting for you when you get there. Um, yeah, totally so agree. In cars, I mean, again, like you said, as long as there's Bluetooth audio, good, simple connection, that's brilliant. That's all I need in any car, whether it's from uh, 1970 to now. I just want a good Bluetooth connection, you know. And I think there are a lot of modern features and modern cars that uh, sometimes are even overkill because uh, I think the, a lot of the infotainment systems are kind of getting a little bit too wild and crazy where you know, like you said, in your, in your Lexus, that one unit controls everything. Right. And sometimes that could be a disaster 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Um, and I just had a Lexus, uh, LS 500 hybrid. I liked the car. Didn't, I hate that car. It, I hated the infotainment system. Yeah. I, I don't like that car at all. So why do you not like that car? Okay, so I've had that LS four hundred. I've had an LS. I have an LS four thirty, and mm. our managing editor Jerry, whom you met last night when yep. we recorded our podcast, he has a two thousand nine LS four sixty. Okay, so we have we have pretty much cornered the market You've on Lexus LS and Canadian automotive. Yeah, yeah. So we, like we know them, we <laughs> like them, and actually, my my uncle on my recommendation has just he just picked up the final year of the four sixty. I want to say it's eighteen. It might be seventeen. Um, but like he just grabbed a, a 460 as well, and like they're such sublime cars to drive. Like uh, the 460 is the uh, 430 and 460 are like the pinnacle of reliable, yeah. comfortable luxury transport. If you don't need fun, it doesn't matter. And uh, you won't believe me, but I can definitely get 31 to 32 miles per gallon in my V8 rear drive 430 on the highway, like without no, I trying. Can, I can believe that. I can because there's yeah. such good cruising cars. You know, the thing is, you 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 get the tires to the right uh, uh, to the right PSI. Yep. And you know, you you have everything in working order. It, they're 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 phenomenal cars to drive. It, if you don't, I mean, that's that's kind of what I've said to people, like regarding the LS 500 that I had, if you don't think that you want, you know, uh, a seven series BMW, I don't see why you could ever hate on a Lexus LS. Right. And I'll, okay. So I'll tell you why you can hate on that car okay. because, and, and, and feel free to tell me that I'm out to lunch. No, so, no, you're fine. um, the, the V8 was the essence of that car. I agree. And I, it, this isn't, this isn't just, Oh yeah, they replaced the, they got, took away the V8, bring back the displacement. No, the, the twin, the turbo six in the regular 500 and the hybrid, both engines kind of just feel tinny and the, the hybrid gets mileage. Like it gets good mileage for sure. But the, I, I just wasn't a fan of the transmission in the hybrid. I wasn't a fan of the behavior of that engine. I'm not doubting it, will, it won't be reliable. It's probably going to be great. Um, the interior is beautiful. The infotainment is unusable. I'm not sure how the styling will age. I think the current IS is aging very well. Um, 
but you never know. So the styling, I wouldn't say, is as timeless as, say, the 460 it replaces or mm-hmm. the 430 or even the 400, man. Like, you see a first-gen 400 going down the street right now and it's clean, you're going to look twice and say, you know what, that's a handsome car. I still swoon um, when I see one. I yeah. do. I genuinely oh, yeah. do. Yeah. And, and and the thing with those with these cars is the the LS four hundreds and the LS four thirty and four sixty used to be S class and seven series levels of luxury um, at seventy to eighty percent of the price. The last five hundred and five hundred each we tested were were on par for pricing with the seven fifty i and the S five sixty that we tested at the same time. And they're 100% of the price. And I'm sorry, but the 7 and the S just do it better now. And, of course, we're not taking reliability into the mix. But my argument is if you want a um, Lexus LS current gen, brand new, that is you know, 70% of the price of a comparable German luxury sedan and provides 95 to 97% of the luxury and maintaining the reliability, and you want a V8, go buy a Genesis G90. Okay, so I'm going to, believe it or not, I'm actually going to agree with you on multiple things here. Um, the LS500 hybrid I had which was only about, my mom has a 2019 750i M Sport. And Beautiful. her car new, I think, was 113 or 115. Yeah. The car that I had from Lexus was right at $100,000. So not okay. a huge price difference. Right. You know, especially for that tax bracket. fully jammed? What did you say? Was it fully jammed or was it base? Oh no, it was, it was fully kitted out. Every okay. every single thing I think they could put on it, they did. And okay. so when you're in that tax bracket, when you're looking for that car, a hundred thousand versus a hundred and fifteen thousand, I don't think is a huge difference, no. especially when BMW. I know for a fact that my parents didn't pay one hundred and fifteen for that car. Right? Yeah. That car was brought down to about one hundred and three thousand because they have room to move on those cars. You know. Yep. Um, so that's the thing. Now we're talking within three grand of one another. Uh, I don't know that I would choose the Lexus in that regard. Yep. However, transmission is shit because um, it's a CVT with a four-speed automatic hook to the yep. back of it, and it's so weird. It it tries so to. So you be basically this... plug the Yaris into a uh, Nissan Rogue, right? Yeah, basically, and yep. it's this weird okay. thing where it tries to think it's it tries to make you think it's a dual clutch sometimes, and it's like it just yep. holds the revs at five thousand RPM and doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't, and but it's it's moving forward, but the revs aren't doing anything, and you're very confused, right? Um, so engine is meh, hybrid system is enjoyable for the most part there are a few times where i'm like eh, it's a little uh, it's not it very cool seamless. spaceship noises it makes some cool spaceship noise it really does but see i have a Hyundai it's not a hybrid right now and that hybrid system i think is actually better in terms of luxury than the one that's in the lexus which is weird um and then number three looks are like eh it's it's fine. I got used to it. Infotainment system is beyond awful. Is is mm-hmm. to the point where when you're driving, you're afraid to touch it that you for for the sake that you might have an accident, right? No, because it's true. It's so bad. Like it's so unintuitive, right? Um. So now with, the new RX fixes that a little bit because it gets a touchscreen, which is going to be great. Which is going to be great. Yeah. I would much rather, because at least I can, you know, fiddle with that. You know, this weird this weird touchpad thing. I, it's so confusing. No, I weird. agree. Now, that being said, 
from a driving standpoint from so i had when i actually had the lexus um there's a funny story i had to i had the lexus uh, and I drove, I had to drive two hours away and I, I was in my mom's seven series. Okay. So I put on my mask and drove her two hours away, uh, from her house realized when we got to our destination, I had the Lexus keys in my pocket and they were coming to pick it up the following morning. Oh, so I had to leave at nine o'clock at night, drive back two hours to my house, slept the night, left the keys there at the house and then um drove two hours back at eight o'clock is seven eight o'clock in the morning uh and what you what were you driving back in i was driving in the seven series so i had done okay, yep. i had nice. done okay. four hours in less than 24 hours right in yep. one single car and i had just reviewed that lexus for a week yep now it was when i was driving the bmw i was wishing that i had the lexus on the highway interesting because the lexus was way more comfortable okay it and your mom's is an m sport with the big wheels yes okay um it was also the technology for the assisted driving features is far superior to the bmw we're talking like I, that i agree with we're talking like five years ahead of bmw in my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally I totally agree with that. I just I'm I'm I don't use those cuz I'm a princess and I just <laughs> want to drive my own car. But I, I I understand. I totally get what you're where you're coming from on that. I've probably done 15,000 miles in the current Gen 7 series mm-hmm. in various uh examples mm-hmm. and uh, uh yeah, so I I the last couple times I was in uh Dallas, I also drove um, we have some family, my fiance had some family down there and they were kind enough to lend us their seven, the, the latest 750 while we were there. Mm-hmm. And I drove it both times I was there in the last year and, uh, spent, you know, three, four days driving it. And in Dallas, you know, everyone goes insanely fast yes. and the highways are all wide and open. And every single time I come back from there, I'm like, I need one of these. <laughs> and actually right now I'm shopping for a daily driver, a new daily driver and a current 750 is at the top of the list. Just because I'm like I friggin' want one, and it's like I like to, but I like I like gestures, like I like those Mm, stupid gesture controls where you twiddle your finger and volume. Like I like that. It's dumb, but I like it. See, I I, it bothers the I turn it off because I'm like I got really yeah because I talk with my hands. I talk with my hands all the time, so it's always doing stuff. I'm Indian, man. (laughs) Everybody thinks I'm Italian and Jewish, but I'm not. I'm Irish Catholic, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I and and that's the thing. I don't hate anybody. And by the way, the new twenty twenty seven series. I've not driven it. It could be drastically different, just from the BMWs that I've driven over the years. And my dad has a twenty nineteen M eight fifty, and right. the technology in those cars is good. However, when it comes to the the assisted features, where and I'm and again like you, I mostly turn them off um, because yeah. I drive a GT three fifty, which has. The assisted feature is it's ripping the wheel out of your hands because the tires are are drive are finding every groove in the road, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the assisted feature that that car has, and yep. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm 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 with you 100 on that. But when I'm driving on the highway and the BMW is trying to rip the wheel out of my hands because it thinks I'm too close to something on the side or wherever, but yet the Lexus is more of a suggestive. Hey, hey, just letting you know, this is up here. Whereas the BMW is like, no, 
drove. <laughs> it's like screaming yeah, exactly. at me. To, and, and that is extremely frustrating, especially when you have, I hate radar guided cruise control. Well, I don't hate it, but it gets on my nerves sometimes because too many cars are too, um, the BMW especially, it will slam on the brakes, right? Yeah. Whereas the Lexus, it's like a nice gliding feature. It's like, oh, we're going to lightly touch the brakes now. And it, that was the that was the thing where I was like, ooh, Lexus just, they still know how to do luxury better. The back seats, there's a button for the back seat passenger to put up the front seat to push it all the way forward or pull it all the way back, whatever, to extend their uh, legs. Hang on. The, the current... The 7 doesn't have that? My, at least my, I know it's a feature. Oh, but your mom's is a short wheelbase. No, hers is. So now the they're all long wheelbase in North America. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. So the I is no longer, it, there's no longer it's an not L. It's the L-I which, anymore? Yeah, no okay. longer, which really I think is kind of dumb. I like the, the so L. If that yeah. doesn't, so if that doesn't have that, so okay, in Canada, and I know the packaging is probably different, a 750i will have that if it's the uh, if the rear seats have the executive lounge tier 2 package. So if it comes with the tray, like if you have the, the airline tray and the center right. console in the back, then it'll have that. So, which is, I agree with you, which is, which is dumb because my 2004 Lexus LS has that right. feature where there's a button to make the front seat go all the way forward. So the guy in the back can be more relaxed. And so I was looking at those features and you're talking 120 ish thousand dollars for that seven at that point versus a hundred thousand yeah. dollars for the Lexus. However, again, we're not, it's not apples to oranges because it'll be, or it'll be more apples to apples because they're going to take fifteen grand off that off that BMW when you go to buy it. Yeah, right? and and that and the power delivery of that N sixty three four point four twin turbo V eight, buddy, come on, it's a like, monster. I mean, you want to talk yeah. about that could power SpaceX? I mean, let's yeah. let's be real. I mean, the 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 one thing BMW are doing so well. Is they're building? Yes, they're building the yeah. fastest engines. They're, they can't last for shit after fifty thousand miles. Fine, but, but I'll sell it before that. I don't care. I'll oh, lease it. Oh but my God. the funny thing is, that, dude. So, so the the your mom's is the four fifty six horse version. This yeah. year, they just cranked up the boost and now five twenty three. Which out of is nowhere. ridiculous. Like going so, from my mom's seven to my dad's eight, it's like driving you know, the previous M car versus the new M car. You're like, what the hell? How is this possible? So the M550i, mm-hmm. okay, is basically all the car a guy like you or I would ever need. Oh, yeah. Excluding the manual transmission. Like, if you needed a year-round daily and you lived somewhere that it got a little snowy and you really don't want to drive that GT350 everywhere, right. then the M550i, the new one with the 523 horses, it's pretty much the perfect car for, for someone like me. So I've, but it's, it's funny, like that should really be the car I'm looking at, but I, I'm just like, I kind of want a seven because they're cool. (laughs) And that's the thing is like, if you can afford it, why not? Who's telling you what you can't do? You know what I mean? It's, and, and that's the thing I, that's the the thing that I get frustrated about because some people tell me, Oh, I would never pay that. Well then don't, don't. Yeah. Do not pay and it. Don't, That's fine. There's an ask for every seat. Someone right. will buy it. If right. you don't buy it, nobody gives a shit. You can go, you know, kick up a fuss at the dealership, and nobody cares. Yeah, just, nobody. Just buy what you want, man. And that's the, that's that's at the end of the day. And I so I do agree with you it, when you talked about how Lexus used to undercut the Germans by a far yeah. amount by a great amount of money, right? And I feel like they just don't do that anymore. 
Not because they're making drastically better cars or something, because in many ways, in certain ways, like in terms of infotainment and, you know, the V6 engine, they're not. However, from a luxury, from a usability and a future, you know, reliability standpoint, they probably are. They're probably building the better car. Uh, The new LC500 is, I mean, that's... That's the Vantage that the modern Aston buyer should buy. It's, oh my God, it's gorgeous. It's fast as shit. It's wonderful inside now. But you know what? Like, it it has that naturally aspirated V8 that's not going to be around for too many more years. No. Um, And it's such a shame because it's such a sensational car. I actually said that when they were doing the unveil for the new IS a couple of weeks ago, um, there were rumors circulating the internet that uh, there would be an IS 500 as a final hurrah to that motor or an ISF of some sort. And I said, shit, I'm glad they didn't make that because I would have had to buy one. It's if they do an I, excuse me, if they do an ISF with that motor, Holy shit. I mean, because the, the, the only generation ISF was brilliant. Purely brilliant. Yep, and it, I agree. It's this weird thing where Lexus do this weird thing every once in a while. They just build one amazing car just to say, yeah, we can do it, and then walk away from it. <laughs> they don't yep. even, you know. Yep. And, and when you build something so good and perfect the first time, what the fuck's the point of continuing to do it? You know, it's. I it's, agree. It's I if if the ISF had come with a manual when I was shopping for my E ninety M three, yeah, ooh, that would have been a nightmare decision because the ISF. Well, it, was it's brilliant. funny. I keep looking at I keep looking at ISF. Me too. I, I still do. They're just they're too old now for me to be. I, I'm not going to spend thirty five thousand Canadian yeah. dollars on a twelve year old Lexus sedan. Yeah. Um, it's just it's a little too old for me to spend that kind of it, I'll spend that kind of money on something toyish. But the ISF is a car that I'd I'd want as a daily. Like it would yeah. be a spectacular daily to swallow up my fifty thousand miles a year, you know? Um, and it, it'll be reliable. So I, I'm still saying, so when I was texting with uh, a friend, at, at an unnamed friend at Toyota the day of the reveal, and I'm like, uh, hey, man, like if, if, if this, I'm so glad that they didn't make this because I would have had to buy one. And the response I got was, don't piss your money away yet. Ooh, that's interesting. So I don't know what that means. If it's like an ISF with a twin turbo six, I don't care. I'm sorry. I'm not interested. Yeah. Uh, I'll drive it in the press car. I'll probably enjoy it, and that'll be the end of it. But if they make something that's not an LC, because the, the thing is we have ground clearance issues here in Canada with mm-hmm. once in a while with snow. Like, I could daily a 911 C4S if I really wanted to, but it's just not advisable. Right. But something like even a new um, a GSS on a more updated chassis or something like that, um, with that V8, I'm, I'm in. Like, I will go buy it. I, I'll sell whatever my daily is then, and I'll just go pick this up. I actually feel bad for Lexus because they do build some really good cars that no one talks about. And, yeah. you know, that's that's where, you know, I, I got into this conversation. I put a picture up of the of the LS500H on Reddit on the Lexus forum. And just basically, like, you know, reviewing this car, like, what do you want to know sort of thing, right? And, you know, some people were asking me some really good questions of, like, oh, my 460 or 430 or 400 does this. Does it do this or that? How's the engine? How's this? How's that? And Mm -hmm. that's the thing is that I I did, I kept coming away with the same thing. I understand why there's a V6 hybrid. I get it. 
but it's not the LS way, right? It's not, it doesn't, the LS, the, the, I think of V8, I think of a, a simple old V8 in a Lexus LS, right? Yeah. One that will literally work forever. And that's why I had the, um, I had the Land Cruiser Heritage Edition back in what, January, February. And, I remember that. I'm so jealous. They don't sell that in Canada. Oh, it's so brilliant. And I said in my review, the engine is as old as dirt, but it will run yes. forever. That's why you pay 90 grand for that, because you know it's going to last you 90 years. You know? Yep. It, it's, and that's where I think that Lexus, I just, I want car companies to build a V8 with a hybrid system that actually makes the V8 a little bit more... Um, usable right and yep i think if there's any if there's any company that could do it it's lexus it's Lexus. yes yeah. no it's true you're, you're you're absolutely right and i i, I don't know i think things are going to change but the sad thing is that that v8's on its way out it's a, it is a sad thing you know it is it is something that disappoints me because i love v8s uh i mean i, yeah. I look i love cars i love any engine right um but there's a reason why I have a GT350. You know, there's a, yeah. a wonderful V8 that's called the Voodoo, which can literally blow up in any minute. Uh, my wife drove my car today, and I might get a phone call later saying that my engine has just destroyed itself and disintegrated. That's very possible with a <laughs> GT350. But you know what? I, I'm enjoying it now because it's a wonderful engine. It's a wonderful car. Um, now, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of wrap this up because we've talked for an hour and a half now. And uh, yeah. I'm sure you have better things to do with your life and your, your Thursday afternoon. Um, for sure. But no, I'm, I'm yeah, could do what you got to do, man. But uh, what, what are some things that are coming up for you? Obviously, you've got the 911 now. Do you know any cars you, you're going to be getting in the future or... Uh, yeah, I have some uh, some cool things uh, coming up. Uh, next week, I'm doing a nice road trip in uh, in the new Silverado Diesel, oh, um, the High Country Silverado Diesel. So, other than that, you know, I haven't driven a Toyota 86 in a while, so I've booked myself one of those. Mm. Um, I've got a McLaren 600 LT coming. You best. Um, yeah, and a C63 Coupe. Oh, you uh, should. <laughs> AMG GTR, just like the. The, the usual consumer grade uh, <laughs> consumer advice cars, but on the actual consumer note, uh, we've we've got a lot of like the new Cadillac CT4, CT5 are coming. Um, we've got the long wheelbase Lexus RX coming. Um, I think that there's that new Buick, the Encore GX. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Um, Charger Hellcat wide body. So, keeping it consumer grade. Keeping it keeping it real for the for the homies. I, I get it. Um, but you know what it is? It's because six months of the winter here, it's all just crossovers right. and mainstream stuff. So in the summer, when the the heat gets kicked up, so do the press fleets. Yeah, which is yeah. I mean that's that's similar to here. You know, although one year um, this is I don't know maybe five or six years ago, they sent me a um, I had a Miata Club uh, was it the Club or Club Sport Edition whatever it was cool. and um, yeah. It was supposed to snow in North Carolina, so they put some uh, Blizzax on it, some Bridgestone yep. Blizzax, and sent it to me. And it did, in fact, snow, and I drove the shit out of that car, snowing in the middle of the night, and I was having a blast with it. So I was like, this is awesome. This is the greatest thing so ever. Ma Mazda is the one manufacturer in Canada, or one of the few, that will put a winter... Um, 
that put a Miata on the winter fleet every year with winter tires. Whether it's an RF or a soft top, it like it alternates or something, but there is always a Miata with uh, snow tires available. And you know what it proves? It proves that the Miata, where you know you, if you're going to make a you know a gay slur about it or whatever, you know somebody driving a guy driving it, whatever. It just proves that the Miata is one of the greatest cars that has ever graced this earth. I agree. Because you can drive it in any situation, any condition, and it works. It is. Yep. It's the 911, you know, it's the old school 911 for people that don't have 911 money, right? It, yep. It always works. It's always dependable. It drives great. It may not be the fastest thing in the world, but it is yep. one of the best driving things in the world. Um, yep. No, I've, I had an NA. I had a red <laughs> NA with 35,000 miles on it. It was spectacular. I loved it. Now one of my best friends has a red NA with like 50,000 miles on it. I get to drive it very often. It's a lovely little car. They're like, brilliant. you know, tasteful little mods, BBS wheels, that's about it. And they're just, they work. They work so well. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're yeah. so brilliant. And so uh, people can find you at doubleclutch.ca and where else? Uh, so yeah, the magazine is online at doubleclutch.ca, and all of our social media channels are at doubleclutch.ca. So if anyone has any questions or just wants to give me shit about all the things that I say on podcasts, uh, <laughs> please do so. And uh, and your podcast goes live every Tuesday or uh, every other Tuesday. Every we do it biweekly. Tuesday. Okay, biweekly. Yeah. Okay. Well, that yeah. is fantastic. It, my friend, thank you for for spending Thanks some time with me. Thanks for having me, Josh. It'll be uh, I'll I'll see you again soon for sure. Yeah, and thank you for having me on your podcast. And uh, I I'm very much so looking forward to sharing this and uh, and your podcast with the people that uh, with the fine people that listen to my podcast. Um, and yeah, I've loved it. A- a- anytime Always you want to come man. on and talk the shit, you know, shoot the shit. Um, we'll do that. You're welcome to. All right, man. Well, thank you. Cheers. All right, brother. Have a great day. I'll talk okay. to you later. You too. Okay. Right, bye. Bye. So interesting interview, right? Uh, again, it, it, and I talk about it in the interview, goes back to the idea that if you don't like your job, the automotive industry is open. But I got to tell you, I thought it was interesting that, uh, that Hattie and his team, they have to go and collect cars. They have to actually get their press cars. Um, my God, I don't know what I would do if I had to do that. Um, I mean, I, I've done it in the past, obviously done it with BMW in the past. Uh, but if I had to do that for every car I reviewed, shit. So a lot of, a lot of gusto for those guys, you know, really working hard to get those cars to review again, check out doubleclutch.ca on, um, well, doubleclutch.ca <laughs> and on, of course on social media as well. Um, yeah. I, I I like Addy. I like the interview. I had a good time talking to him. And I, I our interview, the interview I, I did with him on his podcast will be live tomorrow. So uh, today you're listening to this July 13th, July 14th. His podcast will go live with me on it. And of course, on July 15th is tax day. So just remember that. Don't forget. Get your taxes done. Which is kind of crazy. That tax day is July 15th. Um, you know, of course, you're so used to it being April 15th. And if you have a company, it's March 15th. And then personal is April 15th. So, yeah. It's, got, it's just weird that it's, you know, so many months after it normally is. Uh, this pandemic is, is just crazy, isn't it? Um, again, like I said before, the interview, keep social distancing. 
Keep wearing your mask. Mask is for other people's protection. Love people around you, even if they don't like you <laughs> or even if you don't like them. Uh, there are people in my family and my friends that I don't really like that much anymore, uh, but I still wear a mask because, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, whatever. Uh, I- I'm not going to change your mind. Let's be honest. If you wear a mask, you're going to continue wearing a mask, even after listening to me. If you don't wear a mask, I doubt you're going to be sitting there going, you know what? That asshole that talks about cars, he really is an expert. He knows what he's talking about. I'm going to start wearing a mask because I like him. But I will say, if you're around me, even if you don't want to wear a mask, at least wear a mask around me if you like me. If you like the radio show or the podcast, I mean, radio show. (laughs) Let's be honest. Uh, I would love to work in radio, but I don't. I work on a podcast. Not even. I don't even work. I sit here. I sit on my ass. This is not hard work for me. I sit on my ass and talk. Boo who, <laughs> right? So damn difficult. So difficult talking me talking. Oh my God. Because apparently I'm a narcissist. Uh, if you haven't heard, we covered that in episode 23. I got a great comment on Apple podcast that I am a narcissist. The host is a narcissist. It was a one-star review. You know, the, the first review I got was actually a five-star review where the, uh, the commenter called me basically just said that I'm, I'm a douchebag essentially. Right. But that I have great guests. Hopefully those great guests rub off on me is something he said, or she said, whoever. Um, but that person left me a five-star review, even though I'm a douchebag, the person who thinks I'm a narcissist didn't even have the common courtesy to leave me a five-star review. This person left me a one-star review. So I may be a narcissist, but that person's just a dick, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm just taking it too personally. I'm really not taking it personally. I I enjoy joking about it. Uh, I think it's funny. Um, I've I've talked to people since then and uh, people that, you know, that family, friends who listen to the podcast and they've talked to me, hey, what's up, narcissist? (laughs) Uh, I like that. I I think it's funny because if anything, it's, it's it's become a joke. Uh, maybe I should lead with that next show. Maybe I should introduce myself as Josh, the narcissist Lewis. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? Now that I think about it, I wonder if this person called me a narcissist because at the beginning of each show, I usually say, you know, I'm Josh Lewis, the always amazing, the great and blah, blah, blah. I always, I always overemphasize how amazing I am as a point of, of humor. And I wonder if this person didn't get that that's a joke. If they actually thought it was serious, <laughs> that would be funny. That would be hilarious. If the person didn't get the joke, I just thought about that. Damn, that's great. Oh man. I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case that this person listens to the podcast. And I was just like, this guy is such an asshole in the first 30 seconds. <laughs> I didn't even win them over within 30 seconds. <laughs> Man, that's how you know you're bad at podcasting. Um, But as always, you know, please like, share, comment, subscribe. Send this out to people you hate. Send it out to people you love. And I hope you have an absolutely wonderful Monday. And it starts off well. And you have the greatest week of your life. And until next time, just remember that every morning that you wake up, 
put some of that good old-fashioned freeze-dried Folgers in your coffee cup and listen to the Raw Podcast. And as always, happy motorcycle.